You're listening to Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson, and as always, thanks for tuning in. With primary elections right around the corner, we are starting to think about whittling down the candidates for the general election. A lot of times it seems like we hear people talking about choosing in the end between the lesser of two evils. They go into the booth, they hold their nose, and vote for a candidate they don't like. But don't hate as much as the other candidate. As both the Republican and Democratic fields become more divided among party members, the question comes up again. What if there was a different way? What if there was a third or fourth viable party alternative? The United States has not had a really third or fourth competitive party at the national level in a lot of time, centuries really. But remember, once upon a time, the Republicans were actually a third party. And that was true until Abraham Lincoln won the presidency in 1960. So could it happen again? Could a group of believers in a different party really challenge the hold that Democrats and Republicans have on the political process today? Dan Smith is the director of advancement for the modern Whig party. He joins us now to talk about why his revival of that party should attract American voters. Dan, welcome to Detroit Today. Thanks for having me, Stephen. Yeah. So let's first start with the idea of the Whig Party. That's not a new idea in American politics. That was the second party uh, uh, when there was uh, just uh, Whigs and Democrats for a very long time uh, after the founding. Uh, the Republicans then emerge as a third party and become the second party, killing off the Whig party. Why do you think the Whigs ought to come back? Well, yeah, like you say, the uh, Whigs are older than the American Republic itself. Mm -hmm. All of our founding fathers were Whigs. Anybody who rebelled against uh, King George III's imperial overreach were Whigs. It's a British political party. And a British well. political party right. even before then, so they've been around a very long time. Um, and now, you know, as you said, the Republicans ascended when the Whigs died. Mm -hmm. I'm hoping that a similar thing happens now the other way around, that the Whigs ascend as I see the GOP as being dead and gone. There's no party that believes there's, you know, the Republicans no longer believe in free trade. Um, they really no longer believe in fiscal conservatism as they, you know, ballooning deficits. Um, and also our country is more polarized than ever. And we really need something in the center that as the other parties cater to the extremes and ever smaller uh, populations. We need something in the center that brings people together instead of divides them. And this idea of, of center, tell me why the Whigs occupy that space. What are the things that, that Whigs believe that put them in that, in that middle? Yeah, so we believe in uh, methodology over ideology. So we believe in finding pragmatic solutions that um, can appeal to all voters. Um, we have positions that are in the mainstream on, uh, say, social issues. I'd say we're socially liberal, which is where I see most of the country going on mm -hmm. things like abortion rights. I think, you know, the idea of overturning Roe v. Wade, which many Republicans and Trump supporters have, is I just don't think that that's viable anymore. Um, but at the same time, we believe in open markets, dynamic government. We believe in universal health care, um, but done efficiently. Universal education, but done, you know, in an efficient way that helps people to rise and succeed, not a way that's going to bankrupt our country um, as others like Bernie Sanders propose. So it's, it's, a, it's a party that's for and by the people, which is, you know, neither of the major parties are for and by the people. They're for and by large donors, for and by special interests, and we look to appeal to people. So, so distinguish then the Whigs, not from the Democrats and Republicans, but from some of the other 
third-party alternatives that that have existed but haven't been able to make themselves competitive, right? Sure. So there's a Libertarian Party that that often runs candidates for state uh, office, sometimes ends up with with a national candidate. Uh, the Green Party on on the left has existed for uh, a long time. What's the difference in your mind between the Whigs and those alternatives, and why might the Whigs be a more successful third party? Well, I believe the Whigs appeal to a very large segment of the population, whereas the Libertarians and the Greens are both too extreme. They're appealing to a very, you know, not a very, a small demographic that can't appeal to the whole of the nation. The Libertarians on an issue like healthcare or other issues say, you know, if you fall off your bike and hurt yourself, you should rely on your neighbors or your local church to take care of you. Um, that's just not viable. The Whigs actually have plans set in forth where we use limited but efficient government to enhance social mobility. We have actual plans to, you know, create universal health care, to create uh, infrastructure projects, to, you know, get the economy going. Um, and on the social issues, ideas that are very popular. So I think we appeal to a much broader spectrum of voters than do, say, the, the Greens or Libertarians. And and how many folks are you are you counting among your ranks at this point? I mean, is this a, sure. a party that's taking off and, and has a chance to put candidates on the ballot and maybe win some, some offices? Uh, well, Rome wasn't built in the day, and we're getting there. <laughs> we do have three people running for House in Virginia, and— uh, in Michigan, hopefully soon, we'll have somebody running um, for Senate. Uh, we've been talking to the Natural Law Party about potentially using their ballot access. Um, but again, I'm just getting started with the party. Um, we ballooned in 2010 after our founding. I think we have about 20,000 members now, and we've been steadily growing now for a while, for the past year or so, I think after the 2016 election. So it's it's not going to happen overnight, but you know, hopefully we can find somebody in 2020, a good presidential candidate that can really get us some national exposure, that can obtain ballot access and get a large enough percentage of the vote mm -hmm. that, you know, we can really be viable in future elections. But it's definitely going to be a long process. This is Detroit Today on 101.9 WDET. I'm Stephen Henderson. My guest is Dan Smith, Director of Advancement for the Modern Whig Party. He is here as because we are talking about the idea of viable third-party alternatives to the two-party system that dominates our politics today. Think of how often people say, I don't think of myself as a Democrat. I don't think of myself as a Republican. And when I go into the booth in the fall, I am choosing what I feel like is the lesser of two evils. I'm holding my nose, really, as I pick one candidate over another. Is that something that could change with a viable third-party alternative? Is it time in America that we had more than two standard choices on most ballots? Would you ever vote for a third party? Are you somebody who goes into the booth and votes now for the Libertarians or the Greens or some of the other smaller parties that haven't been able to make themselves competitive yet in our system? Why do you do that? Or do you go in and look at those candidates and think, I would never cast my vote for someone like that. Tell us why. Do you think the modern two-party system is good? Do you think it's working? Or do you think we need to reconsider our political alignments and branding? Give us a call. Join the conversation. 313-577-1019 is always the number on the phones. That's 313-577-1019. You can also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there. Or you can go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today and we will work you into the conversation. Tell us what you think about the state of our politics. Is it time for a third 
alternative. Uh, what, is he, what do you think it's going to take, Dan, for this third way to sort of take off? Uh, as I said before, we've had alternatives on the ballot before. They, they haven't been able to gain that critical mass. Talk about the, the, the sort of field work I guess you guys are doing to sort of build that brand and attract voters to, to, to your side. Yeah, it's going to take a lot of candidates running at the local and national level to get people going. I also think it'll take some major defections on the national level. There's many people who have came out, uh, left the Republican Party. I'm talking, you know, Joe Scarborough, mm-hmm. uh, Jeff Flake hasn't left, but they're, you know, protesting the current president. Uh, many people, if you get a few major defections, obviously a lot of money, too, uh, wouldn't hurt. Um but I think it's a certain point where people just get so fed up to the point where we can break through this apathy and people actually want to do something. And mm-hmm. I see that growing every day with the Trump presidency and the alternatives to it. Um, so it's it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of folks uh, getting involved who, who want to make a change. Yeah. How, how does the how does the current political climate, uh, particularly with President Trump, the really rancorous opposition to President Trump. How does that play into uh, the Whig Party? How does it play into the rise of the Whig Party as you see it? Is this a reaction to what we're seeing with with Donald Trump? Well, the notion of Whigism since before the American Republic was created in 1776 was always resisting against an executive or a, a ruler who was uh, you know, uh, really overstepping his bounds. We've mm-hmm. always believed in the power of Congress over the president. And it is, uh, uh, you know, we have a lot of folks who come who have left the Republican, a lot of folks who have left the Democratic Party, too. It's really half and half. Um, but on the Republican side, it's more so at the moment because of Trump. And that's why you saw David Brooks uh, come out as a Whig. There's other figures. New York uh, Times columnist David Brooks yeah, New York uh, in May came out and said he's not considering himself a Republican, even though he's a conservative, and he says he's a Whig. It was, I, I thought that was a really astounding right. uh, admission <laughs> for a prominent columnist, columnist right. to make. Right. Yeah. And there's other folks, such as uh, uh, Condoleezza Rice is going to come out in August and endorse the Serve America movement, which is like another uh, sort of third, uh, they're trying to build another uh, a, a third party. They just endorsed Stephanie Minor for governor, independent governor of New York. Mm-hmm. Um, we're trying to get Colin Powell to come out and endorse us. Um, we're working on that. Uh, but, you know, figures such as Richard Haas, president of the Council on Foreign Relations, uh, Joe Scarborough, all these guys, uh, they're, they're basically politically homeless. They're not to the point of having totally abandoned the GOP. Mm-hmm. But once they realize that the GOP is dead, it'll never be the same after Trump, in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Um, they'll have nowhere else to turn and they'll come our way. And that, that's a, that represents a microcosm of millions and tens of millions of voters who... Yeah need somewhere to go as well. I mean, there's well, no so. question that we're seeing lots of Republicans really scratching their heads oh, yeah. uh, about the things that are happening, the things that Donald Trump is doing in their name yeah. and saying, this is not who we are. Uh, we're seeing you know, more and more of them say, I don't consider myself a Republican yet or anymore. Right. Um, and there's a little bit of irony there, right, in the idea that the Republican Party grew out of frustration uh, with the Whigs in particular, absolutely uh, in the 1850s, uh, and and really, in in my judgment, uh, it was the issue of slavery and the Whigs' inability to deal with yeah. such a controversial issue that they couldn't sort of decide one way or another that gave rise to to Republicanism. It'd be something if now uh, the inability of Republicans to deal with issues, some of them cultural, some of them economic. Sure. 
uh, gave rise to the Whigs again. <laughs> sure, absolutely. That's <laughs> so, what that's circular, what we hope will happen. Circular, and, right? Yeah, yeah. Whether free trade or immigration or uh, the debt or whatever issue that Republicans yeah. have, yeah, yeah. Uh, as always, again, the number on the phones is three one three five seven seven one zero one nine. Call and tell us. Uh, what you think about the two-party system that we have. Are you done with it? Are you ready for a third alternative? Are you going to go into the booth this fall and try to think of other ways to make your voice heard? In particular, are you a Republican who is very concerned about the direction that Donald Trump is taking the party? Do you feel like the things he is doing are not Republican, are not conservative, and you're looking maybe for a new political home. 313-577-1019 is the number on the phones. Also go to the WDET Facebook page and put comments there or go to Twitter and hashtag Detroit Today. We'll work you into the conversation. Let's go to Jim in Massachusetts. Jim, welcome to Detroit Today. Gentlemen, how's it going today? Good. How are Thanks you? Thanks for having me on. Sure. Very well. Thank you. Very well. So I'm a Massachusetts uh, resident and, um, and, you know, we're a very liberal state. I've always um, kind of come right down the middle, fiscally conservative, socially uh, liberal, so I don't really have much of a place here. Um, but I think there's a lot of me, and I'm wondering what I can do to get more involved and promote a third party. I think it's the only way that we save mm-hmm. our current system. Right now, it's pretty ugly on both sides. And What do I have to do? And, uh, you know, it, is it viable? I know there's a lot of money on both sides. How do we bring that money to a third party and get it, really get some traction? Yeah, Jim, great question. I, I especially love uh, the question about what people can do. Uh, Dan Smith, you know, people can go and vote for who they choose to vote for. Uh, That doesn't really go to the idea of building a party, though, right? Building a party is is a different kind of exercise, requires more activity on people's parts. But what do you do if, if, if I'm somebody who says, yeah, I am tired of the Democrats and the Republicans and I want something else. I want to help build the Whig Party. What, what would that look like? Sure. So you'd go to um, www.modernwig.org and uh, sign up to volunteer, get involved. Uh, please let us know what your talents are. Uh, make a donation if possible. If you know somebody you'd like to run for office in Massachusetts, uh, I don't think we have anybody running there. If you'd like to run for <laughs> office for Massachusetts, in Massachusetts, <laughs> yeah, right. go uh, ahead. Right? Go, <laughs> we would love to have you do so. Um, and just it's about, at this point, spreading the word, building the infrastructure, and also ballot access. I mean, there's, there's ballot access. Um, you can either spend a ton of money and pay people to do it, mm-hmm. but the, the working class party in Michigan, they did it with 60 volunteers at the auto show. They got ballot access just by volunteers. So I think ballot access is key. It's well, one that, of the real impediments to a third party. Yeah, I mean, yeah. It's very easy for established parties to get onto the ballot. If you right. aren't one of them, you really have to, to get out of the streets uh, yeah. and either or either raise money yeah. to be able to do it or get a lot of people to support you. Right, right. Absolutely. Yeah, it's one thing that Democrats and Republicans can agree on, that the ballot access laws and keeping everyone else out. Yeah, right. Yeah. <laughs> right. Making sure it's competition. for Competition, yeah. All right, Jim, thanks very much for the call. And the question, let's go to Suzanne in Ypsilanti. Suzanne, welcome to Detroit Today. Hi, thanks for having me on. Um, I have a couple of points. First of all, I think, you know, third party is just a loser idea. And, um, you know, we need to take the two parties and make them better. And I'm just really happy to hear these guys. Mm -hmm. But they should be projecting it as a replacement for the GOP. 
um, rather than a third party. Huh. And um, my other question to them is, how different are they from Bill Clinton's Democratic Party? Oh, that's a really because interesting. Kind of, yeah, go ahead. I mean, I kind of saw them as like a decent Republican Party, and I've been really hoping for that kind of opposition. I mean, I'm a Democrat, but huh, right. that's kind of what I would ask them. Huh. That's really that's a really interesting point. I'm not sure Bill Clinton would be happy to hear you describe his administration as a Republican one, but but I, yeah. I, I know what you're getting at, which is that it was a uh, it was an administration that was more given to compromise with the other side in some cases because it had to. He didn't have complete control of Congress, but wanted to get things done. Uh, and there was a, a kind of uh, well, there was a kind of cooperative. Uh, approach to to the government when he was uh, president. Uh, Dan, I I wondered what you make of what she's saying about the idea that you don't need a third party; you just need to replace one of the other two. Although that uh, the way that happens is by being a third party, a, sure. an alternative. But but address the, that and this question of how different you, the Whig principles you're talking about are from what. President Bill Clinton did. Sure. So I, I actually agree with her on the first question. I Like I said, I believe that, you know, we have to start as a third party, but I believe the GOP is dead and gone. I believe the Democrats have uh, very big internal issues between their sort of Joe Crowley wing and their Alexandra Ocasio-Cortez wing. And, um, you know, I, I think that these parties need to be put out of business and we're there to replace them. So it, it may be that we're the second party replacement or we're the third party um, regardless, I think it's it's necessary. And as far as the question on how we're different from uh, the Bill Clinton uh, presidency, well, we don't do anything with special interests or corporate interests. Um, certain issues such as the debt grew exponentially, hugely under Clinton. We're mm -hmm. fiscally conservative. We would not tolerate that for one second. Um, also, uh, Bill Clinton didn't provide universal health care. He didn't provide universal. He took a shot at it. He took a shot, but yeah. it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't. He didn't do it properly in a way that could actually be done efficiently. Uh, yeah. If you're wondering how we plan on doing that, you can go to thepurplehealthplan.org and mm. purpleplans.org, a combination of plans that can appeal to both blue and red. But, right. I mean, these are things that people want um, and we need in the richest country on so, Earth. So the idea, though, of, of trying to reduce the debt or at least get the deficit under control, which is the beginning of trying to get the debt under control, but then also talking about providing universal health care. I mean, that's one of the things that I think the Democrats themselves run up against all the time, and it's very difficult. Why is it? Why do you believe it's possible to do both of those things at the same time? Uh, I think if we, our plan, uh, the Purple Health Plan, would cap health care expenditures at 10% of GDP, it would be a voucher-based program. You have to pool. If you want to insure the entire population, you just have to pool. And um, the, the way it would work out, this is in uh, this is in uh, contingent with nine other major reforms to Social Security, mm -hmm. uh, all the different programs. Other that things would, that, that are drivers. That are drivers that are projected to, uh, you know, eliminate the debt and deficit over time. Yeah. Yeah. So it's possible. Again, Suzanne, thanks very much for the call and the very smart questions. Let's go to Sammy in Dearborn. Sammy, welcome to Detroit today. Hi. Good morning, gentlemen. Hey. Uh, I really appreciate uh, what Dan's been talking about. I do sincerely believe we, we need a third party. Um, I think within a couple of years, uh, or a couple elections, rather, I think the GOP um, may not be around anymore. Mm -hmm. And um, one of the things I wanted to ask was, if we're taking on, if you're taking on all these, uh, quote-unquote, 
homeless politicians. Um, how are we going to prevent the polarization of this new party um, from becoming another conservative party or another uh, liberal party? Hmm. Yeah, great question, Sammy. Uh, thanks very much for the call. I mean, uh, the, the idea that factions often end up sort of hijacking, I guess, uh, one party or another. That's what we've seen happen with both parties, uh, both major parties right now, I think, is is that the, the inability to deal with uh, that sort of uh, different point of view within the party, and it ends up taking taking over. How do, how do you insulate against that? Yeah, so I'd say we're not dogmatic. We're, we're pragmatic. Um, we believe in solution-based uh, reforms that, you know, make sense. I'm not sitting here saying, oh, you know, I believe in a general principle of, you know, say libertarianism or socialism, and therefore we're going to, you know, use that as a paint a broad brush. We're focused on local pragmatic solutions to issues and also bringing people of all different sides in the room. I think that's the beautiful thing about the Whig Party. Uh, Stephen, too, is that, you know, there's no reason, in my opinion, why you can't get Nolan Finley and Stephen Henderson and David Brooks and Paul Krugman and George Will and all these people in the room. And there's things more that we agree on than we disagree on. And, and you know, the, the, the current national political climate makes it seem like we can't even sit down and have lunch together. Right. It's about bringing people of all sides together. And also, this is big, keeping special interests out because they come in and they control these politicians. Yeah, it really absolutely. disrupts. It really disrupts yeah, the, so. the sort of party making right. atmosphere. OK, Dan Smith, director of advancement for the Modern Whig Party. Thanks very much for being here with us on Detroit Today. My pleasure, Stephen. All right, remember to join us tomorrow, Tuesday, July 17th, at the Ann Arbor District Library downtown branch for our first in-community book club meeting. We're going to meet from 6.30 to 8 p.m. We're going to discuss the first few chapters of the book Evicted by Matthew Desmond, and we're going to hear from guests about the issues surrounding subsidized housing in Ann Arbor and Washtenaw County. Again, we're meeting at the downtown location of Ann Arbor's District Library. The address is 353 South 5th Avenue, downtown Ann Arbor. And if you want to find out more about our Detroit Today Summer Book Club, just go to WDET.org or go to Facebook and search for Detroit Today Summer Book Club. You can join and discuss the book with us there. I'll be back tomorrow. I hope you will, too. This is 1019 WDET, Detroit's public radio station, community service of Wayne State University. We'll see you tomorrow.